Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 33 The Ever-Changing Land Dorothy led her crew of followers through the land of Western Oz, following the guidance of the ring and the glow of random objects. The way back to the green city of Emerald was different than the way from They passed through different villages, the locals all taking shelter in fear of the now-legendary Dorothy Gale, Tin Woodman, and the colorless but still fearful Lion. No one feared Mister, except a few birds here and there. They passed over different hills, through different valleys, over different streams and rivers, Following the ring's guidance, they even somehow managed to miss Ildiad. Dorothy, asked Mister, are you sure you know where we're going? I'm going the way we're supposed to go, she replied. She was not sure what the Tin Woodman knew about her abilities regarding the ring on her finger and the bracelet adorning her wrist. As far as she was concerned, the less he knew about any kind of power she had, the better. It's just that it's been ten days. I know. And it only took us five days to get to the desert in the first place. Well... Five, I guess, with Reginald. But I suppose you can't really count that time as travel time. And then the time it took to reach the desert after I stepped over that line. I know. Dorothy's voice was beginning to crack with frustration. I think we're lost, Dorothy Gale, said the Tin Woodman in a snarky tone. She turned and looked at him. He was in the back of the line, behind Mister, even trailing behind the lion. Do you know how to get back? she asked. Because if you don't, you can just shut the f- She looked at Mister. His feelings were clearly hurt. Sorry. Sorry. Let's just keep moving. They traveled in silence for the next two hours and set up camp in a small cluster of trees. Dorothy sat silently next to a fire, started by the woodman, and a little bit of Mr.'s stuffing, which he gave to him willingly this time. She watched as a small, squirrel-like creature climbed up and down the trees, stopping every now and then to pick up a nut or acorn, watching its twitchy little nose and furry tail 
made Dorothy miss Kansas. All that much more. The peacefulness of the moment was interrupted when the hungry lion leaped onto the scene and swallowed it whole. Dorothy jumped a little. God damn it! Look, I know you're a lion. You eat meat. But could you not eat the cute animals while I'm watching them? The lion lowered his head in shame and disappeared for the night. He returned the next morning with a rather satisfied look on his face and a slightly larger belly. Dorothy did not say anything, but she was happy that the two of them could come to such a understanding. Traveling over and through the rolling hills had lost its charm after the first day, and everyone was beginning to get a little irritable. Dorothy was beginning to lose her faith in the ring and its guidance. It was very clear now. They were lost. Dorothy stopped and looked at everyone. They all looked back at her, as if they were waiting for some kind of grand gesture or solution. I know. We're lost. I lost us. Is that what you are all waiting to hear? The lion and mister just looked away. The tin woodman began to raise his hand and open his mouth, but even he thought better than that. Any suggestions? The tin woodman looked at his constituents, each averting their eyes, and then to Dorothy. He walked up to her, his feet clanking with each step. I have an idea, Dorothy Gale, he said gently. Dorothy just looked at him and placed a finger to her left temple and began rubbing in a circular motion. The tin woodman had not said anything she wanted to hear since the day they met. And she had a feeling this was going to be no different. <sighs> okay. What is it? What is your idea? Well, you could go ask those flying monkeys over there for some help. He pointed off in the distance at a group of six winged monkeys. They were too far away to be concerned with Dorothy and her fellow travelers, but close enough to count and see that two of them were gray, while four of them were of color. Dorothy looked at him, her eyes for a moment actually colder than his own. What? Winged monkeys. They work on a tit-for-tat basis, like that wizard. You do something for them, and they owe you. They do something for you, and you owe them. Although they rarely ever call in a favor. Dorothy looked at him. And why would they help us? 
she was still cautious about letting him know what kind of power she had. Not us, Dorothy Gale. You. I'd be willing to bet that those two gray monkeys over there owe you a favor. Maybe even two. I imagine you have something to do with them no longer being in the gray desert with Krista. Thus, owing you their freedom. I would also venture a guess that maybe they realized your ignorance of the rules and flew off before you had a chance to ask them for anything in return. Those winged monkeys. <laughs> if they're not using energy to cause mischief, they're not using energy. Or at least, they're trying not to. Dorothy looked at him with disbelief. Dorothy Gale. <laughs> I like to think we've established a certain level of trust between us by now. Right. A certain level. How do I go about asking for a favor from a monkey? Well, I suppose you... Go and ask. Dorothy did not like the sound of this. Neither did Mr. nor the lion. None of them had any interest in dealing with those things again, and for good reason. Dorothy looked at the monkeys and back at her party. Fine. I'll do it. She walked over to the troop while the other travelers stayed put. The six of them were chattering and whooping at each other happily, like a group of teenagers hanging out in the parking lot of a small-town laundromat on a Friday night. The gray monkeys had their backs to her. The other four were facing her as she approached. The four colored monkeys took notice and pushed out their chests, screeching at her and even giving a small charge as they bared their teeth to scare her away. She backed off a little, dropping Krista's knife, which had not left her hands for days in the process. The two gray monkeys turned to see what was going on. Once they realized who it was, they both waved their arms, signaling the others to stand down. They walked up to her and stood towering over her by at least two feet at their tallest. Dorothy looked up at them her hands trembling and her legs fighting the urge to back down and run away. She straightened her posture and mustered up the courage to speak. I need to get back. She paused a moment to swallow her fear. To the green city of Emerald. And I need your help. One monkey lowered his face and moved it slightly closer to Dorothy's as the other turned to the barrel and began chattering as he waved his arms in the air. The other one, eyes still locked on Dorothy, exhaled a large huff. With a deep, guttural, yet articulate voice, he asked one simple question. <laughs> what? 
Dorothy could feel her heart racing. The fear was overwhelming. For a moment, she thought she was going to be crushed like a tin can from the sheer weight of her emotions. She could feel her pulse in her wrist beating against the bracelet, and suddenly, as though a switch had been flipped, the fear of these loathsome creatures disappeared completely. The Tin Woodman, the Lion, and Mister all stood on the hillside watching as Dorothy talked to the monkeys. At first, they thought it was all over. This is it, thought Mister. This is the end. And I didn't even say goodbye. When the two gray monkeys turned around and stopped what could have been a brutal assault, it became clear that she actually stood a chance. Everyone watched with curiosity and anxiety as one by one each of the colored monkeys took flight. The lion let out a roar of disapproval as two of the winged creatures charged through the woods at breakneck speeds and lifted him off the ground. He settled as they flew him over Dorothy, who waved gently, letting him know that it was okay that this was exactly what was supposed to be happening. Mister watched as two more flew toward him. He turned to run the other way, as though he could run faster than anything, let alone something with wings. He let out a small girlish scream as he felt himself being raised from the ground, his feet still running the entire time. The Tin Woodman watched with a slight bit of shock in his otherwise hollow eyes as the two greys gently lifted Dorothy off the ground. Dorothy gave him a snide look and remained silent as she was carried away high above the trees. The Tin Woodman was all alone. He was genuinely trying to atone for his sins. Unfortunately for him... Dorothy had no sympathy left in her heart. He did, after all, attempt to kill her, murdered two munchkins in cold blood, ordered the death of the queen of the field mice, and sabotaged the bridge. He did not, however, have anything to do with the death of the stork. That was all the lion. Maybe it was a bit much to expect forgiveness just yet. It speaks, said Dorothy, staring into the eyes of the ape. Good. Then I know you understand me when I say this. You owe me. The ape just huffed again, and the other turned around and looked her up and down. I know the rules now, assholes. You fucking owe me. I freed you from the greys. You fucking owe me. There was a moment of silence between the three of them, and the rest of the apes chattered quietly behind their colorless cohorts. Dorothy was well aware of the consequences of misplaced courage. But... If the Tin Woodman was telling the truth, her courage was not misplaced, because she knew 
She was right. I need to get back to the green city of Emerald. And you are going to take me there. The apes all hollered and chattered, amused at this girl giving orders. The gray apes knew they were had, and motioned for the rest to settle down. Dorothy looked at them. My friends, too. The scarecrow, kept in one piece this time. And the lion. Fuck the metal guy. He can find his own way back. The gray apes puffed out their chests and raised their wings. Dorothy fought the urge to back down, and perhaps this is why she remained alive. The others followed suit, raising their wings, and at the command of the greys, charged after the lion and mister.